This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Uh, the, the call is different, but it's like the same exact motion as Corn Dog. And we brought it back at the right time. Coach Reza, he's a legend, man. He'll do that. And uh, McCole Hardman, man, battling through adversity this year, being in that moment and making that play that's special. So is it a dynasty now? Yeah, it's the start of one. We're not done. I know we're going to celebrate tonight, celebrate the Pride Wednesday, Kansas City. But we're not done. We've got a young team. We'll keep this thing going. That, of course, the voice of Patrick Mahomes, the quarterback of the now back-to-back champion Kansas City Chiefs. I'm Sean Drotar, Sandy Clough on my left. Danny Bailey in the booth. Of course, if you'd like to interact with the show and and talk about your uh, thoughts on the Super Bowl, of course, we'll also be talking about all the local teams as well because that's what we do every team every day right here at My Life Sports. The caller text line is 303-831-1340. The... Win by by the Chiefs, 25-22. to And in overtime, the we'll get into the, some of the decision-making of the game. But it, it really was a game, Sandy, for the majority of it that was fought by the defenses and some mistakes made on offenses, both starting running backs, Isaiah Pacheco and Christian McCaffrey, with bad fumbles at bad parts of the field. <laughs> uh, you're talking about... Well, McCaffrey's technically was just outside the red zone, was it not? It's still close enough that you don't uh, want I mean, a fumble scoring there. Range. Right. Uh, it, well, it's a bad scoring part. range. No, I'm just trying to be technically Yes, uh, yes. it wasn't a red zone, but it's definitely not where you want to now, lose the, the football. The other one was at the nine. Right. So, definitely I mean, in the red zone. Turnovers uh, left and right. I was in uh, goal-to-go circumstances. A, a blocked extra point obviously loomed large. The, the concern about Jake Moody all year, of course, at one point, he for a brief moment of time, he did have the longest field goal in Super Bowl history until and Harrison Butker broke it. And he had it. his later one was over 52. Weird game for him. He hits two of the longest field goals in Super Bowl history, both kind well over 50 yards. Doesn't hit the extra point right. But he doesn't hit blocked. the extra point, and that makes it easier for Kansas City. But again, for those who say, "Well, it would have been 17 to 16 instead of 16 to 16." No, they would have gone for a touchdown. No, they'd have gone for a touchdown. And given their success as the game wore on with big plays, I think they would have gone for the touchdown. And who's to say whether they would have made it or not? But San Francisco couldn't stop them on fourth and one in the overtime with the season on the line. And I'm thinking this is the play for the year. If Kansas City converts, they win the game. San Francisco stops them. Obviously, the game ends right then and there. And... Uh, I thought it was a. I thought Peter King nailed it exactly today in his football morning in America column for NBC Sports. He said, "You give Patrick Mahomes thirteen possessions, you're not going to win. No, you're not going to win. You're giving him too many chances. Too many chances. You can't give him thirteen possessions and expect to hold them under twenty points. That's the challenge. I mean, at, at this point, when you talk about Mahomes, you're just talking about." Absolute greatness. And, I mean, think I mean, think about this. On that drive in overtime, do or die, <laughs> right? That's it. Wh- I don't know how many snaps he had to dig off his shoelaces. Exactly. On one of those, his receiver ran 10 yards backwards and set up a second and 13 instead of what would have been about a second and four. Still True. finds a way to do it. His two leading receivers in the game. Justin Watson and McCole Hardman 
And then he led the team in rushing with 66 yards. I, I don't know what else you can say about the greatness of Patrick Mahomes. Obviously, the, the pairing with Kelsey, when you're talking about that tight end spot, in Kelsey's case, nine yeah. for 93. Yeah. After a first half in which he had one catch for one yard. Yeah, yeah. So we'll get into well, that as well. And, but and, and I thought that was the you, difference. You just cannot give Mahomes that many possessions. You can't give you him can't. 13 possessions. It's just too he, many. He will make something out of that many, no matter how good your defense is and how prepared your defense was. And the 49ers were both prepared and effective for the majority of the game. Defensively, uh, I Defensively. thought they were brilliant. But as was the case in the last Super Bowl game played between these two teams four years ago, the 49er defense tired in the fourth quarter. And but why wouldn't they be tired? <laughs> With all those Kansas City possessions, they just got worn down. And I, I thought Kansas City's defense at the end of the game was tired too. And I thought the decision in the overtime, we'll get into this in more detail in a right. few moments, but I thought the decision to take the ball first in the overtime was based on the fact that the defense was already exhausted. Were tired. The San Francisco defense had just been out there for like eleven plays. I still think it put would, them right back out there again. I believe that's no what they way. were trying to do. At no the way. same time, I still think it was a mistake. But but I do sort of no. get the idea because Mahomes you, you might have just sliced them for seven immediately Good. and and put yeah. them in a bad situation. But right. now the Chiefs have won three of the last five Super Bowls. The first in almost twenty years since the Patriots went back to back. Uh, they have been in four of the last five Super Bowls, and, and I get it. There is some fatigue, I think, from fans because you're seeing, especially, quite frankly, these two teams, not just the Chiefs, these two teams near the top. But I, I think what we're seeing with Mahomes, to a slightly lesser extent, Kelsey, to a slightly lesser extent, Chris Jones. Who he, may have played his last game with the Chiefs. Very well may have. Uh, he'll be, if he has, he'll be extremely well paid by some other very fortunate team. But Maybe I, the I don't get tired. I don't get tired of watching Patrick Mahomes play football. I just don't. I get it. And I get it for Broncos fans here in Denver. It can be frustrating to watch the Chiefs win. Then again, it was kind of funny. I get that there are Denver connections all over for San Francisco and why a lot of Broncos fans are rooting for the 49ers. 49ers also thumped the Broncos 55-10 to 10 in a Super Bowl and seem to have plenty of their own. But, but beside the fact, I just, as a football fan, I simply cannot get over the joy of watching Patrick Mahomes reinvent the quarterback position on the fly. Like we talked about with Nikola Jokic here with the Nuggets. The quarterback position pre-Patrick Mahomes and post-Patrick Mahomes will literally never be the same. That's what we're seeing out of these guys. And I feel fortunate as an observer in the media and as a football fan to be watching it happen. I was listening to a podcast uh, from The Athletic uh, late last week. This is before the game. And Randy Mueller's on there. And they're talking about the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Randy Mueller's been an executive in the NFL for decades. 40 years. Pretty close to that. And he ranked his quarterbacks, and of course, the, the Athletics putting out a publication of the football's 100 greatest players, and I think there are 19 quarterbacks on the right. 100 list. And the first time they did that, before the book, they did a top 100 all time. And Mahomes wasn't on it because it was 2022 and it was too soon. 
So Randy Mueller is asked by Mike Sando last week to come back now in 2024 prior to the Super Bowl and rank the all-time greats. And he said, you know what? I got Brady number one and Elway number two. And two years ago, I would have had Mahomes if it had been just me. Mahomes would have been inside my top 20, top 19, whatever. But he might have been 16th, 15th. Again, it hadn't been around long. We're talking all-time in quarterback. All-time. All-time. And he says this before the game, remember. Right. He said, I've got Brady number one, Elway number two, Patrick Mahomes number three. That's it. And he, he's better than Joe Montana. Hard to argue. And, and this is before the game. Yeah. Wow. Before. And, and he said he's better than Montana. He's better than uh, Manning. He's better than Unitas. He's better than Otto Graham. He's better than Marino. Better than uh, Starr, Rogers, Favre, Sammy Baugh, Drew Brees, Sid Luckman, Steve Young, Roger Staubach, Terry Bradshaw, Tarkinson, Bobby Lane, all those guys. They get the guys you think of as the great quarterbacks in the history of the game. And he said, I have three reasons for saying that his talent is unsurpassed. Uh, his production is unsurpassed. His anticipation is unsurpassed. His instincts are unsurpassed and his football IQ is unsurpassed. And he didn't say he was better than Brady in all those areas. Cause he still has Brady number one, or at least did maybe now Mahomes is number one after the win yeah. yesterday. But I, I think you, you, you're looking at Brady, and for us, the, those of us, and I, I agree with Randy Mueller, Elway's number two for me, ahead of Montana, because Elway could have won with Montana's team. I agree. Montana never could have won with Denver's team. I agree with that. Any more than Elway did prior to 97-98. Montana, in his prime, could have won with the 97-98 and 98 Broncos. Elway won with the 97-98 Broncos last two years as a football player in his late 30s. Right. He was not in his but prime. I, but I even think the, the you know, the 86-87-89 Broncos with Montana, I don't even know. They, they, they don't win. They don't even get there. I don't know that they get there. And I acknowledge the NFC was much stronger than the AFC. And, listen, Montana had games that, to me, will – never be forgotten that weren't necessarily great games, but he did what Mahomes right. did yesterday. Late in the game, he was great. The Cincinnati Super Bowl that yep. they won, the John Candy Super Bowl. Where jo- says, yeah, hey, yeah. there's John Candy. When they're cool, down, right? Right. Yeah. When they're down late in the game, uh, 16 to 13 with just a few minutes left, and they're deep in their own territory. Oh, look, there's John Candy. And the 49er players in the huddle are like, they didn't know what to make of it. Uh, but Seemed to work psychologically, lighten the mood. Uh, no, Montana's had some great moments, no doubt. And, you know, Peyton Manning, Autogram, Unitas, they, they all have their arguments to make. But, boy, it's tough to deny Mahomes. And I was uh, on another talk show over the weekend, and we were talking about this. And I said, listen, there is no one to whom you can compare Mahomes. Nobody has ever played the position like Mahomes. Right. Elway could be compared to other quarterbacks, at, at least an amalgamation of other quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. You yes. know, the arm of a Bradshaw, uh, you know, the whole Namath with knees, which I heard many, many Namath times during Elway. Namath with knees and Bradshaw with brains. Uh, 
you know, it's alliterative, not not to be taken literally, right. but alliteratively. Then you know, Bradshaw with brains and Elway and uh, Namath with knees. But uh, even Montana could be compared to other quarterbacks. I don't know how you compare. You can't compare Mahomes to Brady stylistically. No. They're very totally different. Um, both great, but in in very different ways. There's just not kind of Brady. You can compare to Montana, Montana to Brady. Um, you know, I, I United some star played a you know a thinking man's mm-hmm. game, and, the, and people are looking I, I at the, the I the look idea at Mahomes and I see everything. The athleticism. I mean, I mean, those two designed runs. One that saved the game on fourth and one in the overtime. Period. Yeah, which was basically a, a read option. They, they do, right, and the the Chiefs made it clear they they never use Mahomes on sneaks anymore since no. he hurt his knee right. years ago. Everyone knows and they're not going to sneak. They've almost taken his design runs completely out of their offense until they put it in yesterday. Right, and that was the wrinkle along with you know corn dog there. Corn dog, I love that, it. That uh, Andy Reid <laughs> went. Back to like the Philly special, we're gonna have corn dog. I, it, it, it's just you know I think Andy Reid made some of the gutsiest calls of the game, but if anybody other than Mahomes were the quarterback of the Chiefs, those calls wouldn't have worked. Those, those right, those plays wouldn't have worked. But it, it, Reid is a great coach, and he has Mahomes. Kyle Shanahan is trying to beat Brady as an assistant coach with Matt Ryan. Not going to work. Trying to beat Mahomes with Jimmy Garoppolo. Didn't work. Trying to beat Mahomes with Brock Purdy. Almost worked. Almost. But they're the 13 possessions. And that's a reflection of the 49er offense. I thought early in the game with a chance to break the game open. Yes, they couldn't score. And they couldn't do it. As soon as as soon as halftime got there, and you know, as I'm watching the game and, and with the people I'm watching it with, as soon as halftime got there, and it was 10 to 3. I, I remember enough. looking around and I said, that's not enough points. Not enough. It's not enough points. Not enough. It Pat- should be 17 to 3 at least. Right. If not a wider margin, and and what you did is with that much talent, with that quarterback, with that coaching staff, with that confidence, <laughs> they went into the locker room at halftime and basically said, "Oh, we we been there and done that. We can do this." Patrick Mahomes now in his career down double digits has only been down eleven times in his career. After yesterday, he's nine and two. <laughs> when down double digits. There are a Amazing. lot of quarterbacks in the league when they're up double digits to win nine out of eleven games feels pretty, pretty good. good. And, yes, he has Travis Kelsey. And how about this in Travis Kelsey's numbers? We talked about the idea that, uh, yes, the first half was essentially a nothing. The second half, he was unstoppable. But remember, they they didn't score a touchdown in their first nine drives. Right, right. And They didn't look anything like the Chiefs offense. A little more than two and a half left in the third quarter Mm -hmm. before they finally scored a touchdown. How about this for playoff performances? The last 13 games. In which Travis Kelsey has played 13 playoff games. This is not, by the way, a full regular season of football, which is 17 games. How about this? In Kelsey's playoff career of 13 games, 1,271 yards and 13 touchdowns. 
that might, if that in a regular season game, in a regular season for many years in which wide receivers, tight ends, anything, 1271 and 13 touchdowns might lead the league in both categories. And this is a tight end, and that's 13 playoff games against the best of the best with all the situations. And yes, Patrick Mahomes plays a big part in that. There's no question. But the combination of those two guys are so lethal. They're on the same page. And when the 49ers started to become a little bit tired, they were doing a, a great job in the early in the game. They started to become a little fatigued. And then they started to have to gamble a little bit, sending a little more pressure. And as I think we all understand, blitzing Patrick Mahomes is a monumental risk. And Mahomes at times was opportunistic when the penetration was actually very good by the 49ers, which it was. He would leverage it by then taking off right up the middle. And when he did have enough time, he understands that Travis Kelsey is somewhere in the middle of the field, essentially uncovered. By the end of the game, again, despite the fact they had limited ability to put it together in the first, Mahomes to Kelsey on 10 targets completed nine times for 93 yards. 10.3 per. Missed once when targeting Kelsey. That's remarkable, especially given the pressure. Those two guys are so difficult. And you look on the other side with Christian McCaffrey with 80 yards on the ground, 80 yards and a touchdown through the air. Yeah. He ran 60 combined and a touchdown. He was great. He was Except terrific. For the fumble, but for the he fumble. redeemed himself, I thought. But it is, it's simply the fact that on offense, the trio of Reed, Mahomes, and Kelsey, I think you hit it on the head, unless you're scoring a lot of points, if you give them X number of possessions, and it's probably double digits, you will lose the vast majority of those yeah. games, whether you were ahead, whether you were behind, it makes no difference. Right now, those three guys are absolutely on the same page, despite the fact that Reed and Kelsey had a, a little bit of a, uh, a, it wouldn't even really be a spat because just Kelsey was upset. Reed really didn't do anything. But you know they're comfortable, and we'll, we'll get a chance to hear from that in a, from Andy Reid about they're that. They're comfortable in a being uncomfortable. Yes, uh, the, the old absolutely uh, psychological just preset. Don't get rattled. It just that they, they, they go to Sean Payton. Confidence is demonstrated ability. If you're and the Kansas City Chiefs, you have unbelievable confidence because you've shown you've done it. This playoffs alone, they beat both the number one seeds in each conference. At least six teams have ever done that. Yeah. They went on the road where people hadn't seen them before. They beat Buffalo. They came back to do it. They absolutely stifled the league's MVP, Lamar Jackson, on the road, did it. They go down double digits in this Super Bowl, come back and win it again. For Broncos fans, this is going to be a really steep climb. I understand the Chiefs, like all championship teams, are going to have salary cap challenges. And you pointed out rightly so, well, they'll Sandy, probably lose Chris They Jones. will probably lose Chris Jones. But I'll tell you what, it's not too much of an exaggeration. Because we just talked about the behind Travis Kelsey, the leading guys on the outside were McCole Hartman and Justin Watson. McCole Hartman was one of the six guys that touched the ball in the Super Bowl four years ago. In that game, he had negative four yards. Patrick Mahomes and a collection of undrafted college free agents. Five months ago, McCall Hardman was playing for the, for the Jets. Jets because he was expendable. They let him go. 
I feel as confident as ever, even in this day and age, that Patrick Mahomes will never wear another jersey than the Kansas City Chiefs because they will literally grab guys like you, me, and Danny and pay us to be on the team as opposed to paying Mahomes whatever he asked you to keep him. And it's probably worth it. And that's where the NFL stands right now. It's just that simple. That's where they are. For Reed and for Kelsey, an interesting rundown. And we want to compare, of course, some of the choices that both coaches made. Maybe some overly simplistic distillations of the game immediately thereafter. But we want to delve into to what Kyle Shanahan and Andy Reed did. And we'll hear from Andy Reed as well next on Miley Sports. United Texas Town. About to check outside the games. And you know what I'm talking about. Just let me know if you want to go to that home. Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar. Presented by Superbook Sports. Download the Superbook app and start winning today at Superbook.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. Sandy and I, of course, already talking about this during the break. <laughs> about the, the way coaching worked out. And, and a very interesting coaching matchup between Kyle Shanahan and Andy Reid, the second, of course. And, and we're now for the fourth out of four times. Coaches have been matched up once again against each other in rematches. Yes. And each time, all four times. Chuck Noll, Jimmy Johnson, Tom Coughlin, Andy Reid. The person who won the first won the second. Right. But it didn't look great for the Chiefs early on. And after Isaiah Pacheco fumbled at the nine-yard line, there was a, I just really can't, it's a one-sided altercation. It's not really an altercation if it's one-sided, but uh, Travis Kelsey was. I wouldn't Kelsey call was, it an altercation. Yeah. I, I call it uh, certainly a verbal assault uh, yeah. with a little bit of, physicality thrown thrown in um i mean yeah, that's kind of how Trav- the chiefs are Travis right? kelsey yeah. came up and he was he was he was not fe- in the game right. on the play in which pacheco fumbled and he was furious and he was furious and not went being in the reed, game went up to reed and bumped, let him have it actually uh, yelled at reed basically yeah. uh, said you know put me in i can score why am i not on the yeah. field why am i not on and the- and bumped reed which right. uh I think looked worse than it really was, but yeah. we'll actually let uh, Coach Andy Reid talk about that. But early in the game, the offense wasn't quite clicking, and we saw Trav come over and uh, I say have an engaging conversation with you. What was that convo about? Because it seemed like the offense and everybody changed after that. What was that convo about? Uh, he, he caught me when I wasn't looking. <laughs> I saw that. It's a fumble. That was another turnover. Yeah, he didn't know you that. I, your play sheet. He didn't know I was going to go that far. You right. Know? So he came. Then he came over and gave me a hug. So, so sorry about that. But he. You know what? He just wants to be on the field and he wants to play. And so uh, there's nobody I get uh, better than I get him. He, he's a competitive kid and, um, he, you know, he loves to play and he makes me feel young, you know. But my balance is terrible, Booger. <laughs> yeah, that's a good line. Talking and, to and, Booger and, and Chris Berman with the Winner can have a sense of humor about it. Yes. And uh, he's great with his players and his players are great with him. And he, he said it. He wants to be in the game all the time. And – he and, was and, not in the game on that play, and he was upset at not being in the game. He he wasn't knocking Reed or debating Reed on, on on whether it was Reed's fault that Pacheco fumbled or not. Then 
do with it. He wants me in the game every play. How about this? This was uh, after when Kelsey was asked about it. He said, I didn't care about my catches. I just wanted to. I wanted the score to be different. Coach asked us to speak our minds, and I wanted to let him know how much passion I had for this team. Followed with, he's one of the best leaders of men I've ever seen in my life. He's helped me a lot with that, with channeling that emotion and channeling that passion. I owe my entire career to that guy. And being able to control how emotional I get, I just love him. Yeah. And that only happens over time. And that's why yeah. Reed can look at it and be like, eh, that's just, you know, he's an intense dude. And yeah. he, we fumbled and he wanted to be in the game and wanted to score points for us. And I get it. You, you can't help but love Reed. You, you really can't help but love Reed. And Reed did something um, during the uh, course of, of the last two years uh, with allowing access that virtually no other coach in the NFL would allow to a media member. And there was actually in King's column today, there was video. Of him explaining that? Of him explaining Which included dog, what? Tom and Jerry and Corn Dog? they don't call Corn Dog anymore. Right. They call it Tom and Jerry now for reasons that That's, that will we'll go childish. unexplained for now. <laughs> um, but, yes, uh, Peter King is in the coach's office after the game, and Reed is, is giving him the play call. And King is a little confused and says, well, well where, where was the motion? What's the term in there for motion? X-shuttle. And, it's shuttle. <laughs> yep. uh, shuttle, right? Yep, and that's and that was Hardman. Uh, yeah, and that in was that Hardman particular alignment. In, in motion, and it's the old corn dog play that they just renamed. And it, they used it twice for touchdowns last year in the Super Bowl. And he, <laughs> I think, I think Reed said it at one point. It might have been about the design runs and not not corn dog because they were in the corn dog once. Yeah. Uh, but very the design well. run they ran <laughs> twice and worked for 22 yards and nine yards when they had a critical to first down at least right. one mm-hmm. to make the first down. And he said, "I didn't think they'd go for it the second time <laughs> since they had seen it once before." I think that was the design run. But I mean, the corn dog play they ran it twice in the Super Bowl last year, and it, it, Romo was right about this. I didn't think Romo had a very good game as an analyst, but he was right on this point. People think, "Oh, what well, you?" You know, anybody could do that. It's easy. The timing with which you reverse, you're motioning from right to left, and then you have to reverse. Well, you have to do it exactly the right time so that the inside player covering you defensively doesn't have time to adjust. Because it's it's really a timing play, and it's kind of a pick play, except there was no contact. Right. There was no actual physical contact on the part of the player doing the picking on, on the play. And of course he's open. And, and the amazing thing is this, this isn't a guy who's known as a particular technician <laughs> as a receiver. Right. But Boy, that's his true. timing had to be exactly right. And it was, and this is a guy who you're not even sure if Tony doesn't get into trouble with the team. If he even dresses McCall Hardman, who is known in these playoffs as the guy who fumbled the ball through the end zone in Buffalo and almost lost in the game. Right. It, especially when you look at, and I, I think you broke that down really well, because especially when you look at the way that, that San Francisco played defense and played it so well, 
Part of what they were doing was never collapsing too much to one side or the other, which is what made it difficult for Mahomes. Mahomes yeah. tried to make more moves, but instead of taking the oh, easy... Oh, they did a great job of keeping Bosa, him instead of taking the easy inside. line of pursuit right. inside and under, Jawan yeah. Taylor often just held, even just was okay to be stuck to Taylor, right. making sure that Mahomes could not get Mahomes. outside. Don't that was the catch. Don't over-pursue. Don't let him go to the outside. And, right. and the 49ers were very cognizant about not over-pursuing, and they did a really, really good job of it. And so the timing on that play especially had to be perfect because you saw them the whole game, and fatigue maybe plays into that. Yes. That may have also yes. played into the decision with Kyle Shanahan to oh, absolutely. select the to, to go for the ball. Now, I'm not going to lie. I, I will I will sort of I, I will mimic yeah. Literally what I said, I, I'll do my best to, to redo it in the moment. I won't be quite as shocked in the moment. But I'm literally sitting there watching the game with some friends, and, and Red Warner says, we'll take the ball. And I, I think I go, what are they doing? I could not imagine. Why would you? And I, I, I get that the 49 you and I disagree on this, which I think will be great talk. I get that the 49ers' defense was tired, and they most certainly were. Yeah. At the same time. Knowing that that you end up with another, because even if the 49ers had scored a touchdown in the, in the regular season, the game would be over. Not in the Super Bowl. Not in the playoffs. Mahomes is going to get a chance. Why would you give Patrick Mahomes a target of knowing what he needs and knowing that he could potentially use all four downs the entire drive to do it? Well, you have to stop him or at least hold him to a field goal, and then you get the ball back again. And all you need is a field goal. You just need a few yards. I mean, your guy's already kicked two. I know he blew the extra point. That's kind of been his season. Yeah. You know, he makes the ones you don't think he'll make and he'll miss the, the – although he hadn't missed an extra point all year. I no. Is that weird? But he's, he's missed short two field goals. Pluses and then he's he, missed short yeah, he's field missed goals short over and over and over and over again. And by the way, when Kyle went for it on fourth and three – They're down 13 to 10, and he passes to Kittle for the first down, and they end up throwing to Jennings for the touchdown. One of the unsung heroes of the game, by the way. Oh, Jennings. Certainly. I think could have been in the MVP discussion. Caught a touchdown pass. Should have been the MVP of the 49ers. Could have been. He he or Bosa. He or Nick Bosa. Um, So they missed the extra point. Guess where the field goal distance would have been? from exactly the same place. So if they don't go for it, he probably gets the field goal blocked just like he got the extra point Mike. blocked. And everybody's saying, well, I didn't go for it. He did go for it. I thought that was the best goal of the game. It was but good. In the overtime, I liked, I liked in, that. In the overtime, his defense has just been out on the field for 11 plays. Right. He knows they're gassed. He, he's watching the game. He know I'm watching the game. I, I so there's no way if they get the so what Shanahan's thinking the is they'll score they'll score seven on us if they get it first. Well, I think he was hoping to get seven, and they were close. And Chris Jones saved the day with uh, Reed on the pass rush. Mm-hmm. On on speaking of guys that could have been MVP, overtime. Chris Jones, Chris Jones, easily. Oh, no, absolutely, absolutely, and. You know, even even at the end of regulation, Spagnola came with a six-man blitz, right? And it was third and five. If they make that, they run the clock down. Kansas City's got to use both of its remaining timeouts. They run the clock down. I, I, I thought Kyle did everything right. 
but you know they couldn't they couldn't handle the blitz. The ball gets batted down. That's in regulation. And in the overtime period, you know you get the ball first. I think you know you've got to score a touchdown. What they couldn't have known, but what Kansas City apparently decided well before the game is if it goes to overtime and they get the ball first and they score a touchdown, they kick the extra point, right? Right. We have to score a touchdown. When we do, we're going for two. We're going to end it one way or the other. said after the game that they were prepared to go for two. They were going for two. And they had decided that, if not weeks before the game, days before the game, and had talked about it. And, the funny and thing that, is, that gets back into the 49ers not knowing the overtime rules, which is that's a, not a, good a look. nice story, and it's a bad look. But it reminds me that Donovan McNabb, who was playing in Washington at the time for Coach Mike Shanahan and offensive coordinator Kyle Shanahan, said at one point during an overtime game that he didn't know the rules, and they were the old rules back then. Right. And he didn't know them. To me, that's more on the players. I know the rules. You know the rules. Fans around here know the rules. We talk about it all the time, how they've changed it for the playoffs. I don't happen to agree with that. Kyle Shanahan voted against it uh, a few years ago. I I like it. I think there were coaches uh, around the league who did. Obviously, not a majority felt that way or even close. But I didn't mind. Sudden death should be sudden death in overtime not lingering death, <laughs> and then at some point maybe sudden death if both sides kick field goals. The funny thing is, in the end, it played out no different than a regular season overtime anyway. That's right. Because they, they scored That's a right. field goal. The, the, old the Chiefs rules, would have gotten the ball. The old rules would have applied anyway. But it, you can envision what they were like. I can pretty much you know, imagine had the Chiefs scored a touchdown. I think we know what their two-point play probably was. I think we saw it. I think is what won them the game because I think I that's exactly what they would have I, I agree. <laughs> had they had hit Kelsey or something, I mean, but I think they, they had that play. They didn't have to go for they didn't two. didn't have to. So that, the two-point play became their game. And it gave play. McCole Hardman, by the way, my uh, my favorite moment after the, the Super Bowl with the podium. They asked yeah. me, and he basically just said, I blacked out after I, I caught it. I blacked out after I caught it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't, don't. Ask me. Such a so great. Uh, obviously, it's going to be. Uh, it's going to be. But a, he ran it perfectly. Oh, it was perfect, and that's that's how perfect. well coached that team is. That's how at the, mo- at the moment coached that team is. Mahomes was ready to throw it. Hardman was wide open. Oh yeah, you and I could have completed the pass. Wide open. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was. Uh, yeah, it that was as uh, at that distance as we used to call it in the Mike Shanahan West Coast offense. That was a long handoff. Pretty yeah. on close to oh, it. Yeah. I mean, that I was mean, basically it. You've, I, I think the role of fatigue gets overlooked, and that's why Bill Walsh used to say the key to winning in the NFL is fourth quarter pass rush. And they didn't blitz. I don't think San Francisco blitzed at all in the first half. And they, and they and, were able and to and contain Mahomes. disciplined in containing Mahomes and even sacking him. And, uh, you know, on third and long plays, he'd try to run. They'd stop him well short of the sticks. They didn't blitz at all. Wilkes knew they were getting yep. tired, so he started to he blitz had to, more. He had to gamble. And Mahomes Tore ate to it shreds. Up. Yep. Ate it up. Which is what he does. Ate it up. And That's why the, they didn't do it the whole first half. The breakdown with Purdy was, it was like the when flipped. he had less it than three seconds it to flipped. throw, 
when he got rid of it quick. 17 to 22 for 189, 9.7% completion percentage over expectation. But more than three seconds, he ain't Mahomes. Six for 16 for 66 yards and a minus 13.7% completion percentage over expectation. And it, minus it's exactly what we talked about. But with Mahomes, it, it kind of doesn't matter. And once you get tired, you know, I both had 10 pressures in the yeah. game. What more do you want the man to do? The the fascinating part to me was the the, the, the inverse side as Spagnolo sent pressure Purdy early. Spagnolo was brilliant. And, and, and Purdy was very, very good. The the Chiefs with yeah. another yeah. outstanding halftime adjustment decided, okay, well, we're maybe going to show blitz, but we're gonna rush base, which is what you and yeah. I talked about from Vegas, yeah. what Spagnolo does. That's he brings he, does. he brings four, you just don't know which four, but you it's not actually a blitz. Yeah. And it made sure that everyone hung back, uh, let Chris Jones do his thing, and yeah. Had McDuffie, who was terrific, minus the the one call. Yeah, he had the one holding. Uh, we know about Snee. Yeah. We know about uh, Bolton on the linebackers. And, and just basically let the those overtime. receivers get blanketed yeah. and yeah. force Purdy into holding on to the ball, where some of it may be lack of experience. Some of it was just great coverage by the Chiefs. And some of it was the fact that if you hold on to the ball for more than three seconds, Chris Jones is going to get there. You they, better get rid of the ball. I, I, I can't get over the fact that San Francisco is only ahead 10 to 3 at the half. They didn't blitz at all, and they had seven pressures on Mahomes in the first half with no yeah. blitzing. I thought they were in trouble at halftime when it was only 10 3. And it was only 10 to 3. I thought and it was. It needed to a, be 17, 17 to 3 or minimum. a greater margin. Yeah, it really did. And the Chiefs end up getting it. Well, another championship is being crowned in a couple of months, of which, you know, not all Colorado teams are exempt. We'll take a look at the Colorado State Rams, the CU Buffs, in a long college weekend of significant importance for both programs. We'll do that next on My Life Sports. This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Want to remind you that over at Superbook, we're changing the game, win some money this season with Superbook Sports, the most trusted name in sports gambling, with a direct line to Las Vegas. And now, when you use that promo code Mile High, you score up to two hundred fifty dollars with their first bet. Bonus win or lose, Superbook will match your first bet up to two hundred fifty dollars with the promo code Mile High. Download the Superbook Sports app, enter the promo code Mile High, and you'll get two hundred fifty bucks courtesy of Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call one eight hundred Gambler. If you're the Colorado Buffaloes, you have to um, consider getting into the tournament a gamble now after getting smoked by the Arizona Wildcats. And before we get into that game, Sandy, the problem is the Buffaloes have now lost three of four. And it doesn't get a lot easier with UCLA and UC, uh, USC coming up next on the list and both on the road. So, so you gotta, you get, you've got to beat USC. They're the worst team in the pack. Right. You have to beat them. I don't they only know. scored 68 when they beat them last time, by the I, way, in I Boulder. I don't but. know if you can beat UCLA at Pauley Pavilion. UCLA is pretty hot now. In fact, they vaulted ahead of CU in the standings by a game. Right. That'll be tough. But they have four road games left out of their remaining seven. Oregon, Oregon State, USC, UCLA. To me, they have to win some combination of three of those four 
obviously win their three remaining home games. The good news there is that Utah has fallen into a slump, although Utah's one win recently Mm -hmm. did come against CU in Utah. In Utah, yes. uh, But, you know, Stanford at home, Cal at home, I mean, it's who, not, who it, am I missing? Uh, it's not bad. They, it's, they, it, it, at UCLA, that's and, a tough and game. And Utah at home. Yeah, yeah. at USC. They, Utah, they've already beaten USC. Cal, and they, they lost Stanford. to Stanford. They lost to, to Utah, obviously, in a, in a, in a bad loss at, at, uh, on the well, road. Well, not a bad loss. But not, a, a, it's not, it's a not really a bad loss. loss. The it, bad loss was Cal. Cal they should not loss. have lost to Cal yeah. on the road. Cal, Cal was, was a bad loss. loss. That was Stanford, uh, obviously, they haven't. They only had, play them once. Right, they only play and them they one play time. At home. And they've beaten both Oregon and Oregon State in Boulder, uh, but they beat them both handily. They smoked Oregon by 16. They absolutely obliterated well, Oregon State 90 I, to 57. Either, but, either Oregon or UCLA, either one of those two road games, you expect to beat Oregon State wherever you play them. You expect to beat you US, USC this year, wherever you play them, if you're going to get into the tournament. Otherwise, right. if you can't do that, then you have to win the conference tournament to be the automatic qualifier, and that's the only way in. And so I, I, I'm, what I'm saying is if they were to finish, they're 7-6 and six now. They have seven games left. 12-8 and eight would probably mean they'd have to get a couple of wins in the conference tournament, if not win the tournament outright. 13 and 7 they may have some wiggle room but 13 and 7 means going 6 and 1 down the stretch with four games on the road and they've won one road game all year and that was at Washington State not a good that's game. a concern and and Arizona look Arizona lost to Oregon State remember one of the one of the the major upsets of the year but the problem in this case is Arizona came into Boulder and the Buffaloes just quite frankly did not look like they were at the same level. Well, they're not, and that had more to do with Arizona than it had to do with CU Correct. not matching no, up. Arizona is a legit, I wouldn't I wouldn't even say contender. And, I'd say they're one of the favorites. Oh, I, I think so. Now they're ranked And they look, they look like it but, against the Buffaloes this well, weekend. they did. And, Buffaloes I mean, just got crushed. 52-39 to in the second half just yeah, stomped but, but, in a 99-79 I mean, loss. What are you going to do? Uh, they shoot 10 for 22 on threes, 36 of 68 from the field. They make 17 to 21 free throws, and they beat you 12-9 on the offensive boards. And a lot of those offensive rebounds for CU came at the beginning of the game and the end of the game. Uh, I, I thought the first 10 minutes of the game were very good for CU. In fact, the first three minutes or so, they were out to an 8-2 lead. But before the under-16 timeout, they had uh, begun a 16-2 to run, yeah. and basically they had control of the game after that. CU never led after falling behind 9-8, to uh, and then it was 11-8 the first TV timeout. And I'm telling you, uh, I said a few weeks ago that I thought CU's starting backcourt uh, with Simpson and Hadley was about as good as any in the Pac-12. Uh-uh. Arizona's is better. Uh, Arizona's got Caleb Love, who I think should be the player of the year in the Pac-12, the transfer from North Carolina, and then he transferred somewhere else and ended up at Arizona. Uh, He's great. Pella Larson's another transfer. He's great. Boswell had a shoulder injury, supposedly sustained in Utah, (laughs) and looked great the other night. 
and Ballo, the big man, 16 oh. points, 13 rebounds, and looked like the other night, maybe not Zach Eady, but as good as just about anybody else in the country. And to my way of thinking, that the two best teams I've seen, and I've, of course, seen Arizona in person now, are Arizona and UConn. And that really should be the championship. Paolo had six should. offensive rebounds. The Buffs as a team had nine. Well, I mean, well, it, he was he, he was unstoppable. He was, he was a man among boys. The they, it they really was. Play. It did And I like knew that. they were in trouble. Seven with foot, 260. Yeah. Lampkin got two fouls early. And they were in trouble after that because they had no way to match up. No. And and they, they, they could play a little zone, I guess. But zone isn't great for rebounding. And, you know, he, he was just... He was just too much, and the guards were great, and they could afford an off game from Johnson, who play, started for San Diego State last mm-hmm. year, the team that played in the championship right. game against UConn. Right. So, I mean, for Johnson, it'd be a rematch, just with another school, and they're be- they're deep off the bench. Uh, I, they've got a backup center who could start for 90% of the teams in Division One. Well, things look a lot better up in Fort Collins where the Colorado State Rams have now won four straight and on Friday night knocked off San Jose State at home 66-47 to continue right. uh, their really good campaign on the on the, and the uh, home floor up at Moby. The, uh, they lost one game. That's it. Lawyer at home. That's it. And uh, they now four left on the road, three at home, but they seem to be putting themselves in an outstanding position uh, they don't have to. They're not in the spot like CU where they have to, you know, absolutely. Well, they're dominate in second place last. on tiebreakers. Yeah, yeah, they're in a. They're, they're, they're in, in a second place, place, one game behind Utah State, and they have one game left with Utah Tomorrow State. Tomorrow they will play in, in San Diego State, That'll who be they tough. just beat, be but it was a reasonably That'll close game. Tough. But they they really do have uh, not total control in their hands, but they're in good shape. And after a couple wobbly, at one point they lost four or six. And well, they turned that around. Yes. And then they've won four straight since losing those four or six. And they just It's look, a shame they lost to Wyoming. They yes, it is. It's a shame that's they lost. That's the one loss that they look back on. And a road game, yes, but they had a nine point lead with forty seconds left and lost in overtime. And they had a four point lead in the overtime with under two minutes left and couldn't hold it. But they look like they're back on track Stevens again. Stevens is back on track. Yes, Stevens is back on track, and, and, and I think when you look at the and way Nate that Clifford's these playing great. last, yeah, the last four games on top of that, you know what you like to see in four straight wins? You like to see four different guys leading your team in scoring, which is what's happened with the Rams. Bemba so, led and Bemba, the other yep, night. He led with 13. 13. So you've had four straight wins yeah. with four different guys leading your team in scoring. That means your team's playing well. And so, uh, obviously, Nico Medved's got them rolling. And they'll be in the tournament. They, they, I, I think it they'll does be in feel the like they will and be in the it's tournament. Still, it's holding at five Mountain West Conference teams in the ESPN Bracketology uh, report that came out late last week. Uh, I didn't see an update today, but they were a six seed before they beat San Jose State. Right. And that certainly won't hurt them. So, uh, you know, you're in a conference where five teams are going to get in, and teams like Nevada and UNLV, who have winning conference records, may not get in. That's how strong the Mountain West is. They're, they're uh, three bad teams in the Mountain West. Fresno State, San Jose State, and Air Force. Everybody else is good, and really... They could have seven teams in the tournament, and it would be justified. 
They looking, won't, but they could. Also looking good up in Boulder, even though with the loss, uh, a, a loss to Oregon State uh, at home, Oregon State knocks off the CU women 65-59. to 59. Yesterday, that's a tough loss, although Oregon State is was ranked 17, so it wasn't uh, a monumental upset necessarily, but it did drop the Buffs four spots, dropping from four to eight, although their conference position and their tournament position still looks extraordinarily favorable as they continue up in Boulder as well. Uh, not looking as favorable late, your Colorado Avalanche. We will be taking a look at them if they lose 4-0 to the Florida Panthers. Now losers of four straight. Yeah, one in overtime, but a loss is a loss. We'll talk about them with My Life Sports Arif Dean next. You're hearing howling around your kitchen door. 